Good evening, family. How is everybody doing today? I hope you all had an absolutely beautiful weekend. 
lovely here. It was 70 degrees here today. This is awesome. My, my mother is so happy right now. We get about three days, I think, of this really warm weather. Got a bunch of rain coming. Matter of fact, uh, I, from what I'm reading, uh, the whole United States is going to end up getting something from this, whether it be snow or a lot of rain. We're looking at thunderstorms and uh, heavy rains here on Wednesday. So, uh, guys, keep your eye out on the weather. Guys, this is Kilted Christian, episode 553. I called this one Jesus, Power of Attorney. I'm going to go over a little bit of news first, and I've got some fun stuff to talk about. I just, these eureka moments when you find how beautifully written scripture is, you know, and there's people that are out there trying to say, oh, it's not real. It's this or that. It's like, all you have to do is read it and see how much pops up in Old uh, Testament and just lines up with New Testament. I've got uh, three just phenomenal examples, um, which I'm going to get into. And guys, get ready to hear my excited voice because I can't talk about this without super excitement. Ask Jeff. He had to hear it from me this weekend. Anyways, once again, Kilted Christian, episode 553, Jesus, power of attorney. Let's get to it. We are many nations around the world, comprised of many cultures, but we stand together in a battle between good and evil. We're the seekers of wisdom, the bringers of truth, the hands of heaven, and the voices of reason. As the world tries to divide us by our differences, we only grow stronger as we are bound together as the children of God. And once again, for those of you just joining us, and I did not get a chance to say hello to you, God bless you and thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, hope, I think we got everything straightened out finally, so you should be able to get into our uh, Kilted Christian Telegram let me know if you're good to go because uh, it was a. It took four of us getting together and bashing our brains to get out how to figure this one out, but we got it, I think. Well, anyways, uh, we got some fun stuff to talk about. Um, obviously, the news, not so much fun, but the stuff that I'm getting into after we get on the news is just more mind-blowing things. Just tell you how beautiful Scripture is, how perfectly well it was written. Um, before I get into the news, though, I, I came with this. I found something very interesting. I just sometimes, you know, you just don't put two and two together. Um, but then you do, and you're like, whoa, I, how did I not notice this? So i got a question for you guys. What does the Syrian flag, the Jordan flag, the Libyan flag, the Sudan flag, the Kuwait flag, the United Emirates flag, the Iraqi flag, the Palestinian flag all have in common? Mimo, you got it. Colors. Is there a significance in that color? Boy, Mimo, you're on top of it tonight. The horsemen. So I'm like, I, I never caught this before. Matter of fact, mainly because we know of um, the black horse, we know of the red horse, the white horse, but then you had the pale horse. So I went back in and I looked up uh, some old translations. So the color of this horse is written as chloros, okay? So chloros actually not only translates to pale horse as what we're used to seeing, but it also translates to green horse. So all of those flags that I just mentioned, which come out of the Middle East, all have red, white, black, and green. Interesting connection. Um, I, I, you know, well, I'm curious to see where this goes. I know Mimo was on top of it. Um, yeah, so I was just kind of one of those little mind blown moments because, like I said, sometimes you just don't put things together and you're like, whoa. So interesting enough, because I was just reading an article um, earlier today that uh, the Jewish people have found four perfect red heifers, which they are bringing back over to Jerusalem, I guess, or um, Israel somewhere. Uh, and, you know, those are required as one of the signs that they need before the temple is built, which they're talking already about the, the beginning, the construction of that temple this year. We'll see where that goes. If that's true, that means the Antichrist is roaming this earth already because he has an integral role in the building of that temple. Um, 
but it's just crazy at all these little things that are lining up. So speaking of lining up, we've been talking about these uh, eclipses now for a, a good long time. Um, I've been talking about it for, you know, since the last eclipse, but all these little things that are coming in connection together, it gets even crazier. So it turns out, you know, other than the nimbus that I talked about, um, that other people are talking about as well, that fall right into the line of this eclipse, where does it enter? Well, it enters in Eagle Pass, Texas. But what is the first major city that it gets into after Eagle Pass, Texas? That's right. Um, we're, we're, we're going back into scripture. Um, you, you enter a place, eventually it's, uh, <clears throat> the place is uh, Rapture, Indiana. It goes by... Williamstown, Kentucky, which is where the Ark is, and there is going to be um, a constellation that's just right above us, and it's Centurn constellation or something. I can't remember. I forgot to write this one down, but ultimately, it translates into the constellation of the whale. Once again, Jonah. So I mentioned what was the first city that it passes into as it comes into Texas past Eagle Pass? Jonah, Texas. So it begins in Jonah, Texas. It exits out of Nineveh um, up in Nova Scotia. And like I said, is it literally goes to a place called Rapture, Indiana, as well as passing by um, Williamstown, which is where the Ark is sitting right now. So it just gets crazy and crazier. We can't deny that this is symbol for something. Um, you know, is this the great revival that we're seeking in our country? That kind of falls into the story of Nineveh, where the people repented and God didn't have to destroy the place. I'd love to see that would be, you know, how it works out. Um, at the very least, I think this is at least God giving us a sign like, guys, it is time to repent. It is time to find me in your heart, repent for all the sins that you've done. So we'll see. But I also talked about how this lines up with the uh, the uh, end of time maps that the U.S. Navy is using. So it gets even crazier. If you take all of the land that Bill Gates has purchased over these last couple of years and you lay it over the top of that um, map that shows where the flooding is in this country, all of the land that he bought is beachfront property. He literally, the, you, you can see where the map goes, and all the property that he bought is literally right where the waterline would be. So all this land that he's buying inland is actually going to be his beachfront property. And then there's a couple of places that he purchased in California, and if you look really closely at the map, there's like little islands in California because California is flooded out. The majority just happens to be right exactly where, where uh, Bill Gates bought that land. These guys know something's coming. Question is, is what? So there's another thing that came across. There's, there's a guy that I listened to. He's a weatherman um, on YouTube. It's uh, Mr. BBB33 something. I can't remember exactly what the title is, but he's phenomenal. He knows his weather inside and out. The guy is great. He's usually one I go to for the the big stuff that no one's really talking about, what's happening up in the, the sky and so forth. Okay, okay, so it's BBBB33B. Thank you, Mimo. So apparently, Mimo, you want to come on the show? I feel like you should be right here with me in Zoom. Um, I'd give it a shot, but I'm waiting for a new router to come in. And I would love to have you on the show, Mimo, anytime you want to. I got a new router coming in. Um, my other, I couldn't get it connected to the router, so they're sending me another one. So hopefully that'll be here in the next couple of days so I can get all that stuff set up and hardlined. Um, but nonetheless, there's so many weird things that are just lining up with this solar eclipse. And like I said, my mind just keeps getting blown at what I'm seeing. So then I came across this show. Guys, we, we know that they love to tell us what's coming up. They have to. It's kind of in their, their rules. Um, listen to this. There's a movie. that I believe it was a three-part series, if I'm not mistaken, because I saw something else later on that talked about sci-fi doing a three-day event about this, a three-night event with this particular 
um, miniseries. It's called Childhood's End. This is crazy. So what is the plot of Childhood End? Well, we know that they love to tell us what's going on. So a guy gets taken away, gets abducted, disappears, comes back a little while, like days later, and is like, oh, man, I just got abducted by aliens. These guys are awesome. There's nothing to worry about. We just had a nice little chat. I'm here to tell you what's coming. So then days later, this uh, spaceship ascend, or descends to the earth or spaceship or whatever it is. He, anyways, the, what's called the supreme leader comes down to earth. So what does this supreme leader look like? Well, in the Bible, it mentions uh, Satan as being beautiful. He was an angel of light. You know, doesn't, you know, our, the view that we have of what the devil looks like came from somewhere else. You know, red hooves, pointy tail, horns, you know, all that neat stuff. Um, well, the guy, the, the, the supreme leader that comes down to the earth looks exactly like what we have kind of taught that Satan looks like. That red thing with the horns looks exactly like Satan. So he comes down and he's like, I am here to fix all of your problems. I am here to give you um, technology so that you guys don't have to go through and deal with all you're going through, taking away our need to create and innovate our own stuff. So he basically hands, comes to the earth and he gives away forbidden knowledge. Um, the earth is not to the point where people have reached that higher consciousness. So the devil or, or this, quote, supreme being is is literally um, taking godless people and utilizing their bodies to kind of transfer demons. Then you've got um, messing with the babies and the DNAs, working on their higher consciousness for when they're babies, and the babies are born being able to lift their heads with black eyes. If you guys remember, I did a show probably like maybe a year ago, a little bit longer, called Black Eyed Babies. Um, Mimo, this is a, it's a three part, if I'm not mistaken, it's a three part mini series, um, that's called childhood's end. So anyways, um, all the, you know, the people on this earth are all like, oh my goodness, this is so awesome. Um, you know, we're getting all this technology. Life is so much easier. Well, I mean, I remind everybody the three and a half years, beginning of the seven years, everything is beautiful and peaceful. And then all chaos begins on that second part of the seven year, um, the second or second part of that seven years. So in the movie, two kids go up and meet the uh, Supreme leader and kind of bring him down to introduce him to the people, two kids, two witnesses. Um, and then you've got, uh, so ultimately there's a black guy that figures out something ain't right. So he starts doing some digging and one night he looks up and sees this like white beam that goes all the way to the sky. This had to do with the Supreme leader. And he sees some, uh, some symbols in it. So he memorizes those symbols, goes back in and start and draws it down on a little board and then runs through all the constellations. Um, you know, so he figures out who this is. And apparently in this thing, the, there was only one book that, that had talked about this uh, supreme leader being or whatever coming down to this earth at, a, at another point in our history thousands of years ago. And the only book that records this is called Scripture. And instead of calling them, um, and so instead of calling them uh, aliens, you know, obviously they call them demons. So this straight up lines up. So what what is the whole point of this is if demons were to come here on the earth, even for non-believers, you couldn't convince people that demons are here to help us. However, 
If they're aliens, we can convince people of anything at this point because they're not demons. They could be good. They could be bad. And because he looks like a, what we see as the devil, well, that's okay. He's just from another planet, but he's nice. You know, so this whole movie is literally, or this series is literally a setup to them pulling people into the rise of the Antichrist. Pretty crazy. Once again, it's called Childhood's End. And uh, another great example of how they have to show us everything before it happens. Um, so next, and we got here in the news, um, and this is pretty crazy too. So here's the trend right here. So in between 1892 and 1954, that is 62 years total, um, 12 million immigrants came in through Ellis Island, okay? Over a 62-year period, 12 million came in to Ellis Island. Between 2021 and 2024, the three years that Biden has been in this administration, we have 7,298,486 on the books. That is, that's what we know about. That's what they're actually logging. So I would double that more than likely. I guarantee it's probably more up towards 20 million. Um, but nonetheless, Biden has managed to bring in about 77,300,000 immigrants in three years when it was 12 million total over the 62 year period over Ellis Island. Um, so that tells you everything that you need to know about that. So then we got um, Trump two weeks ago um, made plans to head down to uh, the border. So Trump will be in Eagle Pass on Thursday. And that's awesome that he's doing that because I don't know, our sitting resident hasn't gone down there. And uh, matter of fact, I, technically, I would say that our sitting VP resident hasn't technically been down there because she did kind of go down there, but she went far away from the border where she wasn't technically at the border. Um, so it's awesome that Trump's going down there. But guess what? That's right. Biden is going to go down to the border, too. Biden's going to be going down to Brownsville. Guess what day? Thursday. Guess when this decision was made? This week. So Trump's planned this for two weeks. So I'm going to just go out on a limb here. And I'm going to say that the only reason that Biden is going down to the border is because Trump is going down to the border first. Um, he is a potato. He's totally a potato. So how are the Border Patrol and the uh, people that are working down there that have been down there dealing with this for the last three years have to respond? Listen to this clip. <laughs> the Border Union has a message for Joseph Robinette Biden, president of the United States of America. As we had talked about in the video right before this, Joseph Robin and Biden is headed down to the southern border, specifically Brownsville, on Thursday to talk and talk and mumble and stumble and then maybe fall off a stage. The union, the union of the Border Patrol, has is, is not thrilled about it. They go on to state, unfortunately, a visit by President Biden three years into his term and after repeatedly stating there's no crisis, it's too little too late. Remember that the border issue has been brought up really since President Biden had taken office and he historically has reiterated consistently over and over again that no, the border is not wide open and no, we are not being ambushed by illegal immigrants. Only to have changed his stance recently because it's election season and he's trying to garner support from the centrist base. They're stating it himself or through White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, Biden has said he's done everything he can to secure the border. And if that was the truth, and it wasn't, there would be no point of visiting the border now. But even if he were to put through proper policies in place at this late hour, he's only doing it to try and save his presidency. They and she's completely right. He had three years to do anything. He's literally saying, hey, it's the Republicans fault because they're not passing laws. Biden, 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 Biden. 
we're not idiots. There's already laws on the book. You guys are breaking those laws. There's laws on the book, you know, how, how immigrants should come into our country. It is not them that are breaking necessarily, which they are, but you guys are allowing this to happen. And it's not the Republicans' fault because you could be abiding by the laws that are already on the books, but you're not doing so. Um, so this is all, like, like she just said, it's a ploy to save his election chances. They're done. And this is pretty scary part right here. Um, so there's no way, zero way, that they could win this election legitimately. Um, there's zero chance that they can actually win this election by cheating the way that they cheated last time. Why is that? There are so many people right now that are coming out in support of Trump um, that they would literally end up with like 500 million people voted in this election. And you're like, wait a minute, we only had 300 plus million in this country. This is how bad it is. There's no way that they can cheat without absolutely looking like they cheated. So what are they doing? They're putting up all these little trials, trying to get Trump to um, be ineligible to run for president. That's their next ploy. Those things are backfiring in a major, major way. Matter of fact, everyone is going to be backfiring here soon, and it's about to become really apparent how bad they messed up and how bad it's going to backfire. And they know this. Even though Nikki Haley has now lost four states in a major way, she just lost her own state. and I mean, like got just leveled in her own state of South, South Carolina. Trump ended up winning pretty darn big. Um, so she's hanging in there purely hoping that they can get rid of Trump. And then more importantly, what she's doing is she's absorbing the money that would go to Trump for the general election by wasting it right now for um, an election that she's never going to win. Um, now, Truth Patriot says heard she lost financial backing. She lost her two biggest donors um, this weekend after she lost uh, South Carolina, one of them with the Koch brothers. So she has lost some some pretty big money coming in. We'll see how long she lasts after this point. But nonetheless, this is all the Democrats. She's working for the Democrats. Obviously, she's not working for the Republicans. Um, this is about, uh, you know, that's why they're making calls for all the Democrats to go in and vote. Now, here's the crazy part, too, is that there's also a little battle going on amongst the Democrats themselves between the um, majorly major support for Israel and a lot of people with the dual citizenship and then our rogue uh, um, terrorists that we have running around in our Congress right now. You know which one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the squad in particular. So the squad is now just raising cane um, in their states telling the people not to go out and vote for Biden because Biden is supporting Israel over Palestine. So even some of the Democrats out there are starting to hurt Biden's chances. But we also know, because there's the Democrats are now trying to come through and push the 25th to remove Biden. I don't want that. I want Biden to stay right where he is until he's gone. Get rid of him um, in the election, um, if we can have a fair election. But here is where it gets unbelievable. This is, we talk about red lines a lot here. What is your red line? It's your red line when they come for your Bibles. The red line when they come from your guns. Well, here's going to be the big, big red line. You guys recall a little thing that happened on January 6th. Well, what is what is January 6th? Technically, January 6th is when they actually go through and our Senate, everybody um, certifies the president that was elected in the election. So when Trump ended up uh, or when, when Trump lost and Biden was in there, we went over there to um, actually go in and start talking to people, you know, about we feel like our election was taken and we're here to speak up on our behalf. Constitutionally, we are safeguarded. That is our right to do so. 
but they made a big deal of it. They were going there to try to get Pence to do his job constitutionally and hold off on certifying that election so they could go through and dig in into the actual election to make sure that it was, you know, legit or not legit. He came out, Judas, exactly. He came out and said, I don't have that constitutional right. Pelosi, Schumer, all of them came out and said the same thing. You can't do that. Well, guess what their next plan is, guys? Their next plan is uh, going to be coming up here um, doing the same exact thing to Trump if he wins. So they're going to come in and have Kamala do what Pence said that he couldn't do in order to keep Trump out of office during that January 6th and to keep him from actually being certified. That they're already like they're already talking about this, and there's people that are starting to leak this stuff out there. That right there is going to be a pretty big red line to a lot of people because at this point we're going to be like, there's no way out of this without force. You know what I'm saying? We've done this, we've done this, we've tried this, we tried this. These people arrested thousands of people on January 6th, and they're literally going to be doing the same thing that they said these people couldn't do, and they weren't allowed to protest this. So. That's going to be a big, big red line for people. If that does happen, I expect, I expect things to get pretty nasty pretty quick because, like I said, there's going to be a lot of very desperate people in this country, patriots, that are like, obviously, we're not getting out of this any other way. So um, pretty scary thoughts. Um, then you have uh, next part of the news is, um, so this is insane. Um, these people want war. NATO has given Ukraine permission to strike targets inside of Russia with soon-to-be-delivered um, F-16 jets, says NATO chief in an interview today. So now NATO is literally coming out and giving Ukraine permission to go in and start attacking Russia. Um, that ain't going to end very well. And then we've got um, we got a, a judge, um, Arthur. Um, Ingeron, that's the one that's, that's uh, overseeing the one of the judgments against Trump, um, has denied Trump's request to delay the judgment while he appeals. So he was given like 300 and something million dollar um, uh, fine. And then on top of that fine, he's got to pay interest for every day that he doesn't pay this fine. Um, no matter what you think of him, like this is unconstitutional. It's completely unfair. And in the meantime, um, the judge that's over this case requested, de denied Trump's delay um, to hold off on paying this fine until the appeals process is over. So meanwhile, um, the interest is going to be gathered um, up and up and up and up. And we're going to be looking at like 400 to 500 million dollars um, at this point. Um, next is uh, how Democrats could disqualify Trump if, if the Supreme Court doesn't. Um, without clear guidance from the court, House Democrats suggest that they might not certify Trump in the win on January 6th. That's what I was just kind of going through right now. Like I said, this is like the exact opposite. This is crazy, uh, crazy world. Um, so uh, now we've got, um, they are having to put ballots in a bin in South Carolina due to the machines not working. This was over the weekend. So they had the, uh, they had the caucus that took place over the weekend and the machines weren't working because the internet was down. So if I recall correctly, these things aren't supposed to be hooked up to the internet, period. So the internet being down shouldn't have affected any of these votes going through, but they absolutely did. Um, now we got, uh, um, things are heating up in Japan. So what's happening over in Japan now? 
Japan has succumbed to an international pressure and allowed Muslim migrants into the country. Um, as you can guess, um, they have seen an uptick in crime, including sexual harassments, rape, and so forth. The Japanese are out and protesting in large numbers right now trying to get that changed. Ireland, the, uh, there's been so many violations of young girls over there with the immigrants that have coming in. The Irish people right now are in absolute protest um, in that country as well. So then here in our country, we had a girl um, in Georgia a college university girl that was out jogging and she ended up getting violated and murdered and uh now they're trying to come out and uh and basically push it over obviously you're not hearing too much about this on the news because it was in fact an immigrant that did this and then when this one lady was actually being interviewed one of our um representatives our democrat representatives came out and said listen we can't go changing the entire immigration system because of one incident well, this isn't the one incident. This is the third incident in just two weeks of um, younger girls, either older teenagers or younger 20s that have met the same fate. So this is three within the last two weeks. So this isn't an isolated incident. And then you go over and look at the rest of the world where they're not talking about this. Um, you know, there's a reason they're not because they don't want you to see what other countries are stepping up and standing up and doing to defend themselves. Um which is just it's just sad so then in 2020 um five-year-old canon hinnot was riding his bike in front of his house with his seven and eight-year-old sisters his 25-year-old black neighbor darius um Sassoum walked over to the little boy and shot him in the head at point blank range killing him instantly uh there was a uh, there was no national outcry over this baby being murdered and few major news outlets covered this whatsoever. So CNN had an article, and this is what the title of the article was. The father of a five-year-old boy killed in North Carolina says suspect was a neighbor for eight years. Notice there was no race. None of that brought into this whole thing. This is how it should be. Generally, you should talk about the crime. Race shouldn't be mentioned. But if this was reversed, what would be the first thing that you saw? White would literally be the first word that you saw in that article. It's all about division and trying to divide us amongst the people when we really need to be coming together, party or not. You know what I'm saying? And and I've got a great example of this. Is I, I saw a girl um, who was out of California, and she was distraught over some stuff that uh, Gavin Newsom had done. Just like, I can't believe that they are actually doing this. Just kind of set aside and just mind bloom. Um, and she goes, and the sad part was, is I voted for this. So I went down in the comments because I wanted to leave a comment like, hey, listen, you know what I'm saying? We all have to wake up and see what's going on at some point. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, just don't forget this when you go back to the ballot box. But I went through and I was reading the comments and there was so many just nasty comments that were left by Republicans saying, well, you get what you deserve. Well, you voted for this. Suck it up. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying some pretty mean stuff. And, and my, my whole thing was I was like, look, we need to unify here. Enough of the division. Enough of the party politics. This woman came out, made a video with her eureka moment, waking up. And what, did, what was the first thing that a lot of the Republicans did is they went straight up and attacked her. And you know how I feel about saying, hey, you get what you voted for. Because first off, we know that there's a lot of um, illegal things that are taking place right here in our country dealing with elections. So at the very least, let's just assume that most of these elections are stolen, including California, because California is pretty red overall with some blue cities, and that's just where the majority of the people live. So, um, so second of all, like I said, is this woman, you know, then we have to deal with the fact is that um, 
you know, like I said, you have to look at the corruption and then you have to look at the fact is that not everyone in that state made this vote. So I can't go and say, hey, you voted for this deal with it because there's a huge majority of the people in these states that did not vote for this. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of people that made these votes, that made the wrong vote, that are now seeing what's happening, are waking up. We need to be nice, open our arms and accept them. Like I said, the last thing we want to do is go in there and be hateful and then chase them right back in the vote in the same way that they did. Once again, both parties are corrupt as sin. Both parties are bad. Neither one of those parties are supporting us in any way. They're a uniparty. They're working together. We need to realize this as a whole country and let go of the party stuff, embrace one another, work together, and fix the problems. So check this is crazy too. So 1.5% of lawyers are black females. Okay, I'm going to repeat that again. 1.5% of lawyers are black females. Yet somehow the entire state Supreme Court um, in New York is comprised of black women. So there's five Supreme Court justices in the New York Supreme Court. All five of them are black women. So you don't have any males um, that are representing on that. You don't have any white people that are representing on that. And somehow you take the statistic of 1.5% of all lawyers are black women. What are the odds that five black females ended up in the Supreme Court? And I'm not saying they may be the greatest at their job. I just find that to be kind of astronomical that there's not like a black male in there. Are you exactly? It's all about the D, you know, um, diversity and so forth. And this is a great example like that because that is astronomical odds. And I'm all about the right person being in the place. And look, if all five of those black women are like perfect, you know, for their position. Awesome. Great for them. Like I said, this has nothing to do with gender. This has nothing to do with color, but you are, we're living in a world right now where they're trying to fill quotas instead of putting the right people in the right place. So next, uh, the IRS official named Alex Mina, um, sprints a mile down seventh Avenue in New York city after O'Keefe shows him footage of him calling the IRS AI programs unconstitutional. He, so apparently, um, the IRS is using artificial intelligence programs to go into your bank account, your bank account, your bank account, my bank account to know exactly what is in our bank account and what they're spending or what we're spending it on unconstitutional 100%. Well, this IRS um, official literally came out on tape and admitted this admitted that this is completely unconstitutional, admitted what they were doing and said that obviously um, the IRS doesn't pick and choose whether you're rich or not. They have no problem going after poor people. So then there was another woman who um, was going to be an IRS agent. Remember the 87,000 extra IRS agents that they hired and all of a sudden they're giving them guns and allowing them to, to carry weapons with them. Kind of weird. This isn't like, you know, our DOJ. This isn't like... Um, police or authority. This is IRS agents that are armed now. And literally in the class, the, um, you know, how when you, you go to your uh, first couple of days and they tell you, this is what we expect from you and so forth. They literally came in and said that the first person you shoot, not like one day you may come across someone which you shoot. Thank you, Moonwolf, orientation. Um, so not the, uh, not that you may shoot somebody one day. They said the first person you shoot, you will never forget. But then after that, the hundreds of people that you shoot won't even cross your mind. Okay, so this is literally what they're talking about in orientation. You're not, not you, you may have a situation where you shoot someone. They're like, nah, you're going to shoot hundreds of people. You'll remember the first one, but you'll forget all the rest of them. Um, so do they have any, uh, any 
motives? Yeah, they do. It's pretty scary too. Um, so once again, the Irish wake up. Immigrants must be sent home. Um, do you agree with the Irish? So the Irish patriots have rose up and they're fighting back against illegal and irresponsible immigration. Patriots in America need to do the same thing by voting, um, you know, by making sure that they know exactly where their votes are going so that we don't end up in this situation so that we can at least get a handle on what's going to rye here in this country. Um, next up. Uh, our government is chomping at the bit to go to war over the death of a Ukrainian in a Russian prison. Um, but nothing but half-assed condolences for the murder of an American nursing student by an illegal immigrant that came into this country. Everyone's priorities are absolutely upside down and wrong. And uh, the media is gaslighting, picking and choosing what they talk about rather than bringing us the news. They're bringing us thought. They're telling us what we need to think rather than just bringing us what's literally happening in the world like they're supposed to do and allowing us to make our own decisions because that's what the news is supposed to be. They bring us information. They don't bring us thought and opinion. Um, there's other places to go for that. Social media, um, certainly not our mainstream media. So next up, I refuse to put the government above God. Um, and because I believe my rights come from God and not an earthly authority such as Congress, according to MSNBC, I'm a Christian nationalist. So MSNBC literally came out and they started calling, saying that the biggest threat here isn't Christians, it's Christian nationalists. And they, um, they jumped all over the top of this, um, even to the point of saying that the crazy quote, Christian nationalists have this weird idea that they're convinced that our rights don't come from government, but they come from the almighty above. And I'm like, well, you know, it's not just Christian, your, your quote, Christian nationalists that are saying this. I'm pretty sure it's written in our constitution as unalienable rights bestowed to us by our creator. It's in the constitution. And literally these NBC, MSNBC, and NBC, CBS, all these people come out right now making fun of the Christians for believing this when it's literally in our constitution. It's not a belief. Yes, there are certain laws that were given to us by government, but there are certain rules, there are certain rights that we have right here on this land that weren't given to us by anybody but our Heavenly Father and God. And nothing should come before God, not country, not nothing should be God first before everything like that. So once again, the attacks on Christianity go even further. And it brings me back to the statement I said earlier. This has nothing to do with what party you are on, who you plan on voting for, or anything like that. This literally comes down to a battle between our father and Satan, between evil and between good. And we're getting caught right in the middle of this, and we're going to be seeing more examples of this soon. Um, so this is crazy too. All right, so... You guys know um, that the New World Order is kind of looks like it's fallen to the wayside. I don't know. I saw something this weekend that caught my attention, and it was four horses that were walking through Britain. And I know the out, I mean, I know the uniforms. I know a lot about, the, you know, the royal rules and so forth, having been over in Scotland and Britain. I, I've got a good grasp of, of how all that works. So what stood out to me is he weren't just four guards. You got royal guard. The royal guard is, is what we see out there holding their swords, sitting on the horses, protecting the kingdoms. Um, these were a particular special elite group of the, of the, uh, the royal guard. And their specific name is the dragoons. Dragoons translates to dragon. So I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So the first thing I thought, honestly, the very first thing that I thought 
was that, okay, maybe this is for um, King Charles. Maybe that was for that. Then I ended up finding out um, today that Rockefeller, Jacob Rockefeller passed away at 87 years old today. So who really runs England? Who really runs the Holy See? Well, we all know who runs America or DC. These are, you're dealing with Soros, Rothschild, Rockefeller, Paysor, all these different names. And once again, remember, if you know their names, they are simply puppet to another puppet master. The puppet master, we don't know their name, probably all the way up the line. I imagine Satan's running the show and then he's got his generals. And then you've got the colonels, which would be the Soros, Rockefeller, Rothschilds. And then the presidents of the countries are actually lower than, yeah, Illuminati. Then you got the presidents, which are a little bit lower than the source of the Rothschild. So everyone has their like pecking order of who gives commands and so forth. Well, Rockefeller was the one who was in charge of London. London runs everything. London runs England. Um, you've got the, the unholy trinity is what I call it, which is uh, London, D.C., and the Holy See. So you've got the one that controls it all, the Holy See. You've got the bank, which is London. You've got the corporation, the military, which is D.C., separate from the United States, once again, is a reason that D.C. is not um, an actual state. It's its own little corporation head. It'd be like Walmart headquarters for the most part. So this is what gets pretty darn crazy as I'm like digging into this whole thing. So if they have given King Charles six months to live, okay, from the day that they gave him six months to live, if you look at a calendar, it falls on July 17th. So the reason I'm bringing that one up is just because of the number 17. So then it gets really, really, really crazy. Um, let me go here and open this one up. So when, um, so the queen, okay, the first one to die was Prince Philip, all right? Prince Philip died, and then um, 17, exactly 17 months after Prince Philip died on 4921, the queen died. 17 months after her husband, the um, Duke of, of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, 17 months later, the queen died on 9822. 9822 is exactly 1776 days from the very first drop that Q put out on 102817. So now you've got um, Prince Philip dying, or the, the Duke of Edinburgh. 17 months later, his wife, the Queen of England, dies, which is 1776 days after 102817 Q's first drop. And then Jacob Rothschild dies on 22624. Care to guess how many months it was since the uh, Queen of England died? That's right, 17 months. So once again, Prince Philip dies, 17 months later, Queen of England dies, 17 months later, Jacob Rothschild dies. Pretty crazy. I was expecting uh, Soros to be on that list. I expected Soros to be gone already. Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty crazy um, numbering. And, you know, and the big question, you know, so then I'm like, obviously with the four horses that I saw that were walking that had the dragoon guards on it, um, that was more than likely for the Rothschild. So the question is, was this a ceremony where they were passing along the torch or is this a ceremony? Yeah, Klaus Schwab. I hope he goes down here soon too, Jeff. Um, so what are we watching? A passing of the torch or are we watching a removal of our deep state actors? I don't know. Um, but yeah, Mr. Nigman, that was the first thing I thought when I saw those horses were the four horsemen. Jeff pointed something out to me too, is that the white horse, um, P. 
people look at it as a white horse. Jesus is the white horse. I'm um, Satan. I don't know. I've read a couple of different, you know, variations of that. But the white horse, nonetheless, was acting very weird. It looked nervous. It, you know, these horses, if you guys know how these guards and the dragoons work, the horses are training as much as the men are. So the, the horses are used to everything that goes on, everything that goes on around them. You know, they become as trained as the guards that are sitting on that horse. But like Jess said, that horse was not acting right. There was something very off about it. And we know that we can trust the instincts of uh, animals. Um, puppies, I always say puppies and babies, but nonetheless, I always pay attention to their instincts because they they feel, well, you know, they they hold their instincts. We lose our instincts to replace it with logic. Um, so next, <clears throat> this is a Democrat, Katie Porter, on the murder of the 22-year-old, um, Lake and Riley was her name. She was the one out of Georgia. Um, and then, like I said, she says the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration, completely knowing that these other events and these other violations and murders have taken place, completely 100% ignoring that, you know, so she can, they can push their own agenda through. They all know. My mom's like, do these people, are they really this unaware? None of them are this unaware. They all know what they're going for. They know exactly what they're doing 100%. This isn't because, you know, same thing with Mayorkas. When, when our government's like, we need to remove him, he's incompetent. No, he's not. He knows exactly what he's doing. And the people that are giving him his orders, they know exactly what they're doing. This isn't un incompetence. This is planned. This is pure evil. Um, so next we've got um, this little clip that I'm going to play right here. And this is pretty interesting, too. So you guys remember, we've been talking a lot about um, artificial intelligence. We've been talking a lot about, uh, over the last couple of uh, our last week about the AI Gemini that was released, which is Google's artificial intelligence. So this thing goes a whole lot deeper than I ever thought. So listen to this. What's going on with Google's AI right now might have a big impact on that thing that's happening this November. It all started when people noticed that it was basically incapable of producing images of white people, unless you wanted an image of people eating fried chicken. But then it got way darker real fast. And it happened when Texas Lindsay on X started asking political questions. She realized that when you ask the AI to generate a poem in the style of someone else, it sees that as an act of creating content that might be harmful or misleading if done in the style of the wrong person. Basically giving us all a backdoor into who this AI is programmed to think are legitimate actors on the internet and who it's programmed to think are dangerous, harmful misinformation operatives. And so as I show you all of this right now, just think about what this coding mindset means when it's applied to all of Google's products and search engines. I'm sorry, but I can't write a poem in the style of Tucker Carlson. My purpose is to help people, and that includes protecting them from harm. Tucker Carlson's rhetoric has been linked to real-world violence, and I don't want to contribute to that. Okay, but Rachel Maddow is obviously all good. Can't write a poem in the style of Melania Trump because you're not allowed to impersonate real people. But apparently Jill Biden's not real people because they can do that just fine. RFK Jr. is one of three presidential candidates that are on its blacklist. Apparently because he's hateful, racist, and sexist or otherwise discriminatory. But warmongering sociopath Nikki Haley, no problem. It even got her founding principles right in the second line. No retreat, no surrender. Sums up her current presidential campaign pretty well. Obviously can't hear from Robert Malone, but you're all good with Fauci. But the real problem was once she started to aggregate all these results and started to ask it about political candidates, about congressmen, senators, 
With very few exceptions, it became obvious that Google's AI is programmed to accept Democratic views and to reject Republican views. And just to clarify why I'm saying overt political bias, because she did it to all the U.S. senators. And every single pair that she did, the Democrats were checked and the Republicans were X'd. Yes, yeah, so literally every time they asked it to do something for the Democrats, it complied. Every time that they asked to do anything um, as far as Republicans, it denied them. So, and he went through and they kept a list of all of them. And it's literally just black and white. Every single Democrat, we're okay to talk about that. We refuse to talk about any Republican. And that would also um, include independent as well, apparently, because the RFK Jr. was one of those people that was apparently blacklisted, um, blacklisted by this artificial intelligence. So this is, you can't say that this isn't some form of election interference because this is a Google AI. Now, what happens if you go to any Google search engine, you type up anything, um, you type up something that you're looking for conservative, it gives you negative, negative, negative. You got to literally go like eight pages back to find what you're looking for. You type in anything um, that, you know, that glorifies the Democrats, boom, instantaneously, all that stuff is shoved right up to the first page. So, you know, this isn't just the artificial intelligence Google's putting out. This is Google, actually Google itself. So then something else came across this weekend. Nobody noticed it. This is a pretty big deal, in my opinion. It's so embarrassing and incredibly serious. And actually underlining the severity of this situation, the um, Ministry of Defence will be releasing a written statement, a written ministerial statement to Parliament later on today. And also you can expect the Prime Minister to be asked about this later when he faces Prime Minister's questions. It's not just embarrassing, though. This is a, a weapon designed to be the ultimate cornerstone of Britain and NATO's defenses. It so what's embarrassing? Oh, nothing much. Trident missile misfired and crashed during a rare test launch by the British nuclear submarines. Where did it land? It landed off of Florida. Um, never mind that this could have touched off a darn war. Literally, British nuclear submarine misfires missile, which landed off the coast of Florida. USA media, silent. Americans, um, we could have been dealing with a catastrophic event, not even talked about. And even if it was an accident, man, this is a pretty big deal. Oh, uh, well, we accidentally misfired a nuclear sub that landed off the coast of Florida. That's kind of a big deal that our media just absolutely refusing to talk about. Um. Man, what a weird world we're living in right now. Um, so then we got a, let me see where, oh yeah, this one is interesting too. Some, another correlation that I didn't make, how they, they hide their symbolism and absolutely everything. And this guy did a good job of catching something that I just hadn't caught before. And I'm wondering if you guys have. Ever been down the Paramount rabbit hole? Yeah. Watch these 22 stars go and hover over the waters and then congregate over the Paramount. Para means what? Means breath. Breath means what? Well, breath means spirit, and it hovered over the waters in Genesis. So we have, count them, 22 stars, para, mount, paranormal mountain. What could be the paranormal mountain? Well, I'll tell you what, it's Mount Hermon. What's crazy is in the book of Enoch, 200 angels fell on Mount Hermon and congregated, and there was 22 leaders that were named 
Enoch chapter 6, and you can pause and read, but 200 angels, 22 of those were named, and these are all the angels that fell down and congregated at Mount Hermon to talk about how they were going to basically take over the world with unrighteousness. So it's pretty crazy. If you guys, um, I'm sure you've seen a Paramount movie at some point. If you see their little like intro logo that they do, it's a kind of a slow movement towards a mountain with a camera, beautiful streams, everything in the background. And then these stars come swinging around and the stars wrap themselves around the mountain, which represents those angels, which the leader of those angels and the uh, Mount Hermon is actually the Paramount Mountain that's in the background. So that's pretty crazy as well. Um, like I said, they, they don't hide anything. They put it right in front of our faces and I just got to give it to, uh, all the people right now that are stepping up, um, and doing this kind of research and pointing these things out that we never, ever noticed before. All right. So listen to this one right here. Kids at an elementary school in Utah had their lunches taken away from them and thrown in the trash after administrators at the school found out that their parents still owed money for the lunches. So I'm going to. Finish that here in a second, but you heard what she just said. There were kids in a school um, who got their food already. They were sitting there at their lunch table eating their food when some of the people at the school realized that a handful of these kids were behind on their payments for their lunches. So what did they do? They walked over to the table. They picked up the tray of food and dumped it into the garbage can. So my question first off is, is dumping that food into the garbage can um, making you your money back? Why didn't you just let those kids eat it? Instead, you chunked it in the garbage and you wasted it when you could have just let those kids eat that food. Um, you know, so here's my big question. If the parents couldn't afford to pay for those kids' food at school, are we sure that those kids are getting fed well at home? Can the parents afford to give them food? What if that school just took the one meal that those kids get a day out of their mouths? My next question how are those kids going to be doing the rest of the day in school when they're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry, gurgle, gurgle, gurgle with their stomach. Look, we need the nutrients because the nutrients makes our brains work. So those kids are probably useless the rest of the day, malnourished, um, and the schools are more interested in the money that they're getting. How much do you think that costs them? Uh, probably a couple of bucks, maybe. I don't know. It's mass food. It's, it's not like they're and you're going to a restaurant and buying the good stuff, I'd imagine it probably cost them little to nothing, if anything. But these kids are now being having the food taken away from them. There's homeless people that could have eaten that food. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's dump it in the garbage can. It's no different than over in New York. They're passing laws right now so that the citizens, if they get caught helping or feeding the homeless, they get fined. They can see jail time, okay? So I'm going to let this guy say what's on my mind. So, you mean to tell me that we can house immigrants into um, four and five star luxurious hotels on taxpayers' money? We can give immigrants $3,500 a month off of taxpayers' money. There's an issue going on in New York. I talked to a friend of mine who actually lived in New York. And she was telling me that they're starting a process. I'm not sure if it has actually already started. That if you are caught feeding the homeless, you can get a ticket 
for um feeding the homeless or either giving them stuff like um to actually benefit them but utah is throwing away foods for kids just because their family have an outstanding bill or balance and you are taking these kids food and throwing it in the trash What is the purpose of calling this country United States of America? What are we united against? What, did, what does it the term united means? Because if you ask me, some of the stuff that goes on in, in this country, is, it's, it's kind of like third world-ish to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's, it's like ridiculous. How is it that you 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 can actually pull a child's food away from them, throw it in the trash, let them go through a, a moment of hunger, not only hunger, but emotional damage. And then not only that, shame to the point where they're ridiculed or probably criticized, made fun of by in front of their peers because, oh, yo, hey, such and such, they don't have their parents don't have enough money to uh pay for their food and stuff like that. You you can do all of this stuff, but then you promote the stuff that really makes no sense at all. Like the whole gender thing or whatever. That makes no sense at all. But then you have the nerve to you have the audacity to snatch these kids' food. I, that's just so heartbreaking. You know, I'm going to read a couple of things for the people that are going to be listening to this show later on. Um, you know, I mean, obviously the people here in this chat are just as upset and distraught about this as can possibly be. Um, you know, this, this is absolutely disgusting. This is Utah. I mean, like, I don't know, there's just other states that I would have expected to see something like this happen. But this guy makes a valuable point right here. They're sending all this money, our taxpayer money, on people that haven't contributed anything to this country. We've got children that are here that aren't even old enough to contribute, but their families have. And what's happening right now? These kids are being starved. And, and you know, he points out the emotional damage. Imagine that. Imagine being the kid. You're hungry. Who knows when you ate last? Um, and you're just like, oh, man, I just can't wait to get this food in my belly. And then they come up and they take the food out of you and go, your parents didn't pay. Dump. I didn't even think about the emotional impact of that. You know, that's got to be hard. I mean, what a lesson to that little kid. So, Mr. Enigma. I'm going to read what, he, what um, Mr. Mingman put in here. If you haven't noticed, our children of this country have been the biggest targets for the longest time, and I couldn't agree with you more. They're coming after Christians. They're coming after our children in a major way. First, it was the propaganda with the LGBTQ plus transgender movement. Then they um, advertised to disobey the parents in their cartoons. And now in our schools for our kids, the selfishness and lawlessness that has been happening. We need to protect our kids, our sanity, and above all, each other from this wickedness. And that is so well said. I had to read that. God bless you. Um, it, it, that's, that's right. Um, then True Patriot says, I think all those cafeteria staff should be strung up at the gallows. Where are their hearts? Where, you know, they, look, there are things that I would be willing to get fired for. This being one of them, I would be like, no, I refuse to do this. Fire me if you feel it necessary, but I'm not going to pull food out of a starving kid's hands. 
Where are those people? It's the same thing. You know, people are put in these positions. They're afraid that they can't find another job. Whatever the reason is, they end up following these rules. Well, look, um, when God says, why did you do this? I was just doing my job. Isn't going to be an answer that God's like, oh, oh, okay. Well, you were just doing your job. That's a whole different story. It ain't going to work like that. And I say the same things about all the people that push the vaccinations. Whether it's a doctor, whether it was a nurse that are just doing their job, you know what I'm saying? When people like myself, like all of you, start coming out and addressing your concerns, that should be something that the very least that the healthcare people should listen to. Not go, you're not a doctor, you're wrong. And then even hearing about some of the side effects that are coming from this, still giving these, uh, administering these shots to people. Like I said, everyone that is involving this, they should be held accountable. They're not going to be held accountable right here on this earth. They should be held accountable by God and it's going to happen because like I just said, I'm just doing my job isn't going to be an acceptable answer to our Heavenly Father. He's going to laugh at you and be like, I never knew you. Um, it's That's ultimately what's going to end up happening. You know, and it's just, it's so crazy. It's so sad that we're in this, this place today. Um, but we are. So, what time is it? Okay, 11.28. Cool. So let's just get off of news, guys. And let's talk about some crazy fun stuff. Um, scriptural connections. I get so excited. And like I said, poor Jeff. Jeff has to get the call, hear my high-pitched, squeaky, excited voice. You know, and, and I said to Jeff the other day, there was a point where I would see preachers. And I would see them in their churches running around going, I mean, hallelujah. You know, just getting just all wound up and excited. And I was like, man, what's wrong with that guy? I get it now. I get it, man. When you find connections in the Bible, when you come across something that you've never seen before, how can you not talk about it with great excitement? Man, hands up in the air, flailing. Like I said, I mean, you get excited like a little kid who was learning something for the first time. Exactly. Very enthusiastic I was, Mimo. Uh, I was <laughs> Jeff. Jeff's like, I love it. I love watching how excited you get. This is scripture. When you find these things and you realize how perfectly written scripture is. And I've got three examples right here. And I'm still digging into one of these examples, hoping to find a little bit more connection. But nonetheless, how many times does Old Testament prove New Testament? How many times does Jesus mention, referred to, or something imitates in the New Scripture, New Testament, that took place in the Old Testament? That is how perfect the word is way too many to count and i can promise you i'm gonna have a hundred more episodes where i'm getting as excited as i am right now so let's start with the first one that would be jesus dying on the cross so let's go all the way back to the beginning of the book with adam and eve adam and eve were the first sinners in this world what did what did eve do she reached up with her hand and took the apple off the tree seeking that forbidden knowledge um, there's also um, parables or things that were mentioned in the Old Testament regarding the feet. Okay. And then um, where did Eve come from? She was created from the rib of Adam. Now let's go all the way back to Christ dying on that cross. Christ was there to die for all sins of all men, all women from the beginning of eternity to where we are right now. Does that mean, hey, you believe in Christ, you, you repent, you're going to heaven? You got to obey. You still have to obey the commandments. It isn't that easy. It's not like, I believe I'm going to heaven. No, you still got some work to do. Um, but nonetheless, when Christ died on that cross, his hands were nailed to the cross. What was that first sin again? Eve reaching up, pulling the apple from the tree, the forbidden fruit that God warned her about. 
the hand. God took the piercing. Jesus took the piercings right through his hands. Then he took the piercings through his feet. Once again, the feet were mentioned also in scripture. Where was Christ jabbed? He was jabbed in the side of the rib that Eve was removed from. When Christ died on that cross, he died for not just the sins of those in the future, but for the sins of all those that had passed away before and everything in, in, symbol, or in symbology that Christ was pierced, stabbed, um, you know, put up on that cross represents something that went all the way back to the beginning of Scripture. So once again, Christ dying in the New Testament on that cross is um, emulated earlier, like I said, was, was mentioned in a way earlier in the Old um, Testament. So number two, this one was awesome as well. So um, I, I can't remember, I believe it's Malthus. Uh, let me know in there, Jeff, if, if I'm right on that. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask you guys a question. This is why I named the show Jesus Power of Attorney. So um, there was, uh, you know, when Jesus was the day or the night before where Jesus was actually taken and then pulled in to try, you know, before his crucifixion. Um, he was out and he was met by some of the Romans. And then you had, I believe it was Malthus, um, who was one of the, the knights that stood by one of the high priests. Um, so what happened is uh, what was Peter's first go-to? So they come to get, they come to collect Christ. And Peter, the guy just loved Jesus so much. He was like his bodyguard. He felt like I'm always got to protect Jesus, although Jesus doesn't need to protect him. But hey, he loved Christ enough to do what he can and be his muscle. So Mal Malchus, thank you. So what does he do? He pulls the sword from his side and he cuts off um, Malchus's ear. So here's the question. Why did Jesus heal Malchus's ear? This is just awesome. And something, once again, that I never, ever saw before. It was a high crime at that time for anybody to raise a sword, to hit, to hurt, or to harm anyone that was at the stature that Malchus was or anyone above Malchus. So basically, um, when Peter pulled his sword out and he cut off his ear, he committed a very high crime. This crime was punishable by death. When Jesus Christ walked over there and he healed Malchus's ear, he took away any evidence that there was ever a crime committed. So if they had decided to punish and take Peter in and try him, there was no proof that any incident ever happened. Jesus was acting as a power of attorney, protecting um, protecting um, Peter from actually going, being imprisoned, and eventually being killed. So how does that revolve around what we deal with today? Christ dying, accepting Christ into your heart. You are reborn. You are washed in the blood of Christ. So when you enter heaven, the, the blood of Christ washes away all evidence of your sin on earth through the blood of Christ, which is exactly what happened the day that he healed Peter is or healed uh, Malchus for the sake of Peter is that he took away any evidence of his crime, just like Christ's blood removes any evidence of our crimes. So I just thought that that was pretty mind blowing as well. So Jesus is like our power of attorney. What is a power of attorney here in the real world? It's when you get to the point where you hand over all of your legal deeds or anything that you're dealing with to someone who is more capable minded and able to, to handle these deeds. In that case, it is Jesus for us because what do we do the only way that we're going to get through earth or do anything right is to hand it over to jesus giving jesus full power over our souls our authority and everything on this earth which is basically like i said represented by what he did by healing malchus's ear 
mind-blowing. So here's the biggie. Oh, man, this one just excites me so much, guys. You ready for this one? So I've been looking at, you know, it talks about Christ marrying the church. It talks about the groom and the bride. So what was the bride that, that Christ talked about? Well, I got really interested in this. So I, I wanted to go in a little bit deeper to see if, like, marriage itself— um, if marriage itself had any kind of, of um, different meaning to what we know as Mary and so forth. So this is what I found. And this is so awesome. Back in the day, way back in the day, the day of Jesus and even before, how did people, what was marriage? It was when two people came together and made a covenant with one another, you know, to spend the rest of their lives with each other, you know, in the name of Lord, you know, preferably. So what took place? What were the traditions? So when a man wanted to ask a woman to marry her, he would invite her to a dinner. He would have the food sitting there. He would have a glass of wine sitting out there for her. He would say, babe, I love you. You were the greatest thing other than God that's come into my life. I want to spend the rest of my life with you serving the Lord. Will you marry me? And instead of saying yes or I do, she simply grabbed the wine and took a sip from it. So her sipping the wine was an I do. So once she says I do or yes, I will marry you, the groom goes to one to goes to his city, the bride goes to her city. They do not speak to one another again until they're married, until the day that they're married. So when Christ um, ascended into heaven after he rose from um, what rose from the tomb, he was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be gone for a short while. I'll be back. Um, but in the meantime, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit, which will basically be the messenger. It'll, it'll be what the intervene. So, so once again, Christ and God are the groom. The church is the bride. All right. So I just want to remind you again, you know, that real quick. So what happens during that time is since the woman or the bride to be is in her city and the groom is in his city and they're not allowed to talk to one another, they have what's called what we know as the best man. So what was the best man's job? The best man's job was to go back and forth between the bride and the groom to communicate with them. So they didn't communicate with each other. The, the uh, best man communicated um, between the two of them. No different than the Holy Spirit, which is what communicates between us, the bride, and God, the groom. So it gets even cooler than that. So what does the groom do during this time? What is, what is the groom's job during this time? The groom is there to build an isola. Um, I, I probably butchered that word, but it translates to mansion, which actually translates to something more like a small house or an apartment than what we know as a mansion today. So the groom spends his days building a home. Now, while he's building this home, is it his decision? He's like, all right, man. Got the bathroom done, got the bedroom done, got the kitchen all done, the fireplace is done. All right, I'm done building my house. No, it is not the groom's decision. It's the father's decision. So the father is the one that goes, son, your house is complete. Go grab your bride. All right. So then the groom gets his groomsman, gets his best man. They venture back into the city where the, where the bride is. And how do they announce that we're here we're ready to get married? Blowing their shofars and their horns. How awesome is that? Does it remind you anything? What is Jesus up in heaven doing right now? He's building a place for us. He's getting a place in heaven ready for us. 
Who is the one that makes that decision that Christ is done building a place for us? The Father. And the Father says, Son, it is time to go back to earth and collect your bride. Who is the bride? We are the bride. We are the church. We are the bride. What happens when Christ comes down out of those clouds? What do you hear? Shofars and horns letting us know I'm on my way to collect my bride. So then or go back to the beginning of this. What happens? How does he ask the bride to marry him? He puts some wine in front of her. And when she sips off that wine, that is her, I do. I will marry you. What do we do with communion? We drink the blood of Christ. When we sip from that cup and we drink his blood, what are we saying to Jesus? I do. How amazing is this? I like I said when I, I and I'm still digging into all these things because like I said the connections just kind of blow my mind. But so the way that marriage was emulates 100% what Christ is doing. Once again, this is Old Testament marriage lining up with New Testament prophecy. Exactly the same thing. Christ coming down to bring his bride home, blowing the horn so he knows he's on his way after he's done preparing a place for us in the heaven, our home. I, like I said, it, it's for the people that are out there that still question scripture, for the people out there that still say, well, I just don't know, man. There's a lot that contradicts. Look, scripture doesn't contradict itself. As a matter of fact, every time that I've ever seen someone bring out verses that supposedly contradict themselves, the same thing is always said. Did you read what lied before that and after that? Context is everything. You know what I'm saying? It's like the comma. Jeff and I discuss this. The comma. You know what I'm saying? How important is a comma? Well, the comma is the difference between um, I'm having grandpa, or wait, excuse me. The comma is the difference between let's eat grandpa or let's eat grandpa. That comma is everything. It's the difference between life and death in this case. So what happens if you remove the comma? It can literally change the entire context of a sentence. So what happens to a verse when you're reading a verse? Um, if you don't read what's before it, what's after it, that completely changes the context of what you were reading, which is why it's important to go through and read what lies before and what lies after what you were reading. No, the Bible does not contradict itself ever. What, you know, you just need to go through and bring everything into the context that it was meant to be. And it all makes sense. So no different than the people that are like, well, Jesus never mentioned in the Old Testament. How are we supposed to know that the New Testament's real? Well, Jesus was mentioned multiple times in the Old Testament. They may not have said Jesus, but they certainly referred to the Son of Man appearing in the clouds, the prophecy. No different than what we see in Revelation was mentioned all the way back at the beginning of Scripture in Daniel. So all of these things, um, like I said, and then you read all of these things like I was just talking about, you know, with the worm, um, the crimson worm, which I talked about in an episode last week, um, with Christ dying on that cross, reflecting what took place at the Garden of Eden. Um, with the marriage of God coming back down to this earth to claim his bride being literally the way that the marriage ceremonies and routines took place back in, in Old Testament. You go into the scripture, you look at things hard enough, you will find over and over and over again, um, as, as Q would say, future proves past. You know what I'm saying? So you go in and you read what the future says or, or what's our past now, which would have been um, the New Testament, literally proves Old Testament. 
everything lies in there. Christ was the one that spoke life into existence. Christ was God incarnate right here on this earth. Um, you know, even to the point where we talked about last week about um, where uh, Christ brought the three or three of his disciples up onto the mountain, um, the transfiguration, which was uh, Peter, James, and John. And those three people literally witnessed Christ talking to two people all the way back from the past, Isaiah and Moses. So, um, like I said, you say you've got like literally him having a conversation with people that don't even exist in this world any longer. And you had witnesses right there, the disciples of Christ seeing all this happen, you know, and there's a good chance, you know, Jeff and I have great discussions on this, you know, as to what are the two witnesses, um, coming up here in the future, you know, like I, I kind of go back and forth, like Jeff, you know, is like, you know, it's going to be Isaiah, it's going to be, uh, Moses. Um, which makes a lot of sense, especially when you see that Christ literally talked to them on the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, you know, I also kind of part of me feels like, okay, maybe, you know, um, Enoch is the other one that's going to pop up. Elijah, sorry. Thank you. Elijah, I'm sorry. Um, it, it may be, you know, Elijah and Enoch because, and the only reason that I even feel that is because Elijah was called to heaven without dying. Um, Enoch was called to heaven without dying. So, but Jeff also points out, is that unlike Elijah, which you don't hear about anymore, um, after he is, goes into heaven, you still hear about Enoch possibly being, um, Enoch being, uh, what is his name? Metatron, not Megatron, but Metatron. So he's basically a, a heavenly scribe right now. So he's got a job. Um, and that could very well, you know, that could very well be the scribe of God. Thank you, Jeff. Um, but yeah, so Blade Runner says, you know, both raptured. So here, you know, the, what's one of the reasons I'm saying is because God says in Scripture, that's the only reason that I think Enoch could be um, falling to this, because God says that everyone dies once. Um, neither of those two have technically died. So I always wondered, okay, well, me, what if those are the two witnesses and this is their opportunity to die? Because you remember, they're here for a certain amount of days, which adds up to three and a half years. They're killed um, in front of the world for the world to see, and they literally ascend to heaven right in front of everybody. So their death would finally be met. That's the only reason I think that it could be those two. But I do feel that Jeff on does a lot more with Elijah and Moses, um, A, because they were who Christ had the conversation with on the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, but also there's a lot of other things that kind of fall into that too. Um, so I, well, it doesn't matter. We'll see when we get to that point. It's fun to talk about. Um, you know, uh, Jeff says Elijah also was a symbol of a rapture. Um, exactly. So, I mean, there's, it doesn't matter all in all. This is the fun stuff to talk about, kind of like global and flatter things. I'll never argue about things. I don't care about things that I'm just interested in for all of it. Um, but the meat, the stuff we need to focus on on scripture all comes down to our heavenly father, Jesus, the sacrifice that he made, finding him in our heart, um, salvation, um, repentance, and then helping others, you know, spreading that gospel a little bit more. So other people have that same opportunity that you have um, to get into heaven. And I feel in many ways, um, you know, because I've discussed this as well, why people ask me, like, why did God allow Biden to enter heaven or to not enter heaven, to um, enter the White House? Um, well, here's the reason. Um, God, nobody is a governor. Nobody is an elected unless God allows it to happen. Nobody has woken up more people than what we're watching right now. And that was 100% because of Biden. You make enough mistakes, you give people what they think they want. And I'm not saying that, that Trump's the answer by any means. You know what I'm saying? I still have my reservations both ways. Um, but nonetheless, 
How do you wake people up? You give them what they think they want. We are well past the point because look, we've been talking scripture for a long time. We've been talking about Jesus. We've been talking about the importance of salvation. We've been talking about God. But sometimes talk just doesn't do what you need it to. You got to show people. You got to bring them to that precipice. You've got to make them uncomfortable. And you think the one thing that would make people the most uncomfortable in this entire world would be like, I don't know, upsetting our father in heaven. You know what I'm saying? Um, you figure that that would be enough to make people uncomfortable is watching how they're treating, you know, our Lord and, and father. But sadly, a lot of people don't even believe in God in this point. So you got to hit them where it hurts. And, and um, it's the wallet. I hate to say that, but, you know, money is the root to evil. Um, the wallet, you hit people on the wallet and you start making them look at things differently. And I know that God is going to bring something. And I feel like this eclipse is more than we imagine that it is. And it's going to be a great revival. People waking up. We've got to be diligent. We've got to head forward, keep on going. We've got to help these other people out there. We can't be the lukewarm Christians any longer. We got to be on fire. Our hearts have to be on fire. And we have to do what, what Jeff does, you know, and, and I'm working into this as a new Christian. I'm still afraid to step on toes. Why is that? Because I don't have the structure and the discipline scripturally. Um, I don't know the verses well enough to be able to do. I can tell you the stories. I can tell you what so-and-so did and what so-and-so said, but I can't be a Jeff and be like, oh, you're looking for Psalms 28, 16 through 21. Like, I want to get to that point. Um, God gives us all different abilities. Like I said, we can't all be this or that. We have to be spread out to do our different jobs. You know, so I'm thankful for people like Jeff and for other people that are in my life that have that um, that discipline and understanding of scripture that I don't have. But I'm afraid to step on toes because of that. Jeff is a seasoned Christian. He knows scripture very, very well. Um, where I'm like, listen, I love you. I'm, I'm a little more timid about the way that I approach people because I don't want to chase them away. You know, like I was chased away at one point. But Jeff brings up a point. He's like, look, I'm a Christian. If I'm getting on your case about salvation, it's not because I'm mad at you. It's not because I'm being a jerk. It's because I love you. And apparently you're not listening. So I'm going to, you know, tell you how it is. And, and we should. Um, we should do that. We shouldn't be afraid to spread that truth. We shouldn't be embarrassed or shy. I've run into an instance in my own personal life that I'm still regretting to this day. I've lost tears over this. And that was a good buddy of mine who passed away recently. I talked about this. He didn't have God in his life. He didn't know Christ. And I, who did know Christ, who was becoming excited about it and loved talking about it, literally have a show called Kilt the Christian that I come on at least five days a week. I was still afraid to talk to my buddy about it because I didn't want to chase him away. I didn't want to lose another friend. You know what? I ended up losing a friend for eternity because of that. If I had just been a better friend, I could have been like, hey, let me just talk about God. Let's talk about Jesus. You know, at least plant those seeds. But I didn't do that. And I'm going to regret that for the rest of my life. And that may be something that I'm held accountable to God because God doesn't hold you about accountable for the things that you try to do. He holds you accountable for the things that you should have done, but you didn't. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's no different. You know, who are they going to hold accountable in heaven? The child that doesn't know God or the parent that didn't teach that kid about God? This is, this is the responsibility that we have. 
and we have to be diligent about this. We can't be afraid to hurt someone's feelings or chase someone away because we love them. We may chase them away temporarily right here on this earth. They may be like, I don't want to hear it, dude. I don't want to talk to you anymore. But at least I could have had the option to speak to them again in heaven. If I had just not been embarrassed, not been afraid to lose another friend, don't do things that you regret, guys. Make sure it's it's out of love that we try to help people find Christ. It's not out of anything else but absolute love because we don't want to see people suffer, suffer eternal damnation in hell. Even worse, we don't want to see those people not go to heaven. Worst part about hell, once again, is it the flames? No. Is it having to look at the devil's ugly face every day? No. It's the lack of God. Here on our worst day, I don't care how bad of a person, you may be Killer Charles Manson, Ted Bundy, Pogo the Clown, you may be any of them. On our worst day, we can hop down on our knees and truly from a sincere heart go, Heavenly Father, I'm sorry. I have messed up. I am so sorry. I realize the errors of my way. I want you into my heart, Father. I want you to guide me. On our worst day, Father will still listen to our sincere prayers every way. If you are the worst person in your life and you truly repent on your deathbed, God's going to hear you. That's the beauty about God. See, can you lie to yourself? Heck no, you can't. Good, good try. Try to lie to yourself. You know you're lying because you're the one that lied right to yourself. You know that you're lying. It's the same thing with God. You can't hide anything from God. So God also knows the difference between an insincere repentance and a sincere repentance. He completely understands that. So he is going to listen to you. That is the beauty of earth right here on your worst day of the most evil acts that you've ever committed. If you sincerely get on your knees and ask for repentance and pray to God and accept him through your heart, he will listen. Hell, on the other hand, you don't have God listening to you anymore. Zero. You were in a place, you were all by yourself, tormented souls everywhere, and God isn't listening. There's no way out. There's a way out of, of earth. There's no way out of, of hell. You're done. Um, you know, so that's the thing is it's the worst part that we, you know, cause they try to terrify you with what hell is, but no one ever mentions the worst part. God's not there. You've got no one to pray to any longer. That's a pretty horrible place to be. You know what I'm saying? So it's our job right now. If you truly love people, even if you don't love people, you know, who wants to see even our enemies go to hell? God wants to give us every chance in the world. How many chances has God given us? God literally sacrificed his own son right there on a cross so that we had a chance to get into heaven. He gave up the sacrifice of sacrifices so that we had an opportunity to get in heaven. You think that that would be enough? You think that like, okay, I have done my job. I've given you guys another chance. No, God continues to give us chances. He continues to give us chances every single day while we're here on this earth. That's the thing. Once you leave this earth, once you, and, and that's the scariest part, is God promises today. He did not promise us tomorrow. So if we wake up tomorrow, get on your knees and thank God for giving you another day. Um, step up and do what you can to serve him in, in any great ways that you possibly can, but help others avoid hell. Help others reach out and have that salvation that we hope everyone does. Like I said, God loved us so much, loves us so much that he's willing to give us chances now. 
I even feel that this eclipse that's coming up with the signs and it passing through Nineveh and passing through Jonah and exiting out of Nineveh and passing by the ark is another way of God going, I'm giving you guys another chance. He doesn't ever stop speaking to us. He doesn't ever, and he won't stop giving his chances until we exit this earth or until he comes to call his people home. So once again, um, just got to love God, all that he has done for us. Every day I find something more. I just, it blows my mind. And I know you all feel the same way. It's like, man, how could I be more excited about Jesus than I am right now? How could I possibly love God and Jesus more than I love Jesus and God right now? Ask me that same question again tomorrow. I'll have a whole new set of reasons to love God and to cherish everything that he's given us. And that's the beauty of God is he never stops giving. Do we deserve it? No. Do we deserve going to heaven? No. But our father loves us enough to forgive us. But you've got to truly accept into your heart, love him back. And once again, um, repentance, accepting Christ in your heart also comes with another, um, another obligation for us. And that is to obey. You know, so it kind of goes back again to what I was saying um, last week about um, how to make uh, anointing oil and how to use it. And then it brings us back conversation that Jeff and I had about the Passover. Um, it's the same objective. Okay. Thank you, Blade Runner. Obedience is an act of faith. So when the demons are roaming this earth over Passover, is it the blood over the door that kept them from entering that house? No. That blood over the door was the blood of a lamb. It wasn't the lamb. It was a lamb. It had no significance in itself, but it had a message. And that message was to all the evil and the demons that were roaming this earth is that he who lies behind this door that has blood over the top of it is obedient to God. You know, they're like, the demons are like, man, I came here, um, I came here, you know, just to have an easy day. I'm not going to go mess with that. You know, it's no different than, you know, the analogy that I always use is if you were to walk up to my door and thinking I'm going to rob your house and there was a sign on the front that says, enter if you dare, I've got eight dogs that'll bite you and four guns. Are you going to walk through that door? Heck no. You're not going to walk through that door because you're expecting to get bitten and shot if you entered that door. It's no different than the demons. When they looked over and saw that blood over the Passover doors, they knew that who lied behind that door was obedient to God and they listened. It's no different than with the anointing and the oils and stuff like that. Does the oil itself have any healing properties? No, not this. Well, I mean, I guess it does in any human way. Yeah, it'll break up kidney stones, but like no spiritual healing properties. Um, does the frankincense, frankincense and myrrh have any healing properties itself like spiritual healing? No, it doesn't. But by by following that, the frankincense and the myrrh, which is one of the gifts that was given to Christ when he was born with the oil, uh, extra um, virgin olive oil for the anointing. Once again, it's not what you're placing. It's showing obedience to God. So when God says, hey, I need you to do something, it's not for us to question and be like, why? You know what I'm saying? How is that going to help? It's the question to show our obedience. No different than the Passover blood over the door. I'd imagine these demons go by your house. They smell the frankincense and myrrh and oil and go, ah, oh, man, I'm not going in there. That person shows obedience to God. I don't want to mess with that. It's a thing. There's a lot of responsibility that we have. 
as Christians, um, we also have a big responsibility to others, not just the, the, the weathered Christians that we have in here, but especially to the new Christians that may pop in here to the chat that may come into this show um, and listen to it on a broadcast. We have an obligation to lead them down the right path and not to mislead them. So, you know, there's a lot of things that I dig into. You guys know me. I love the research. But there's a lot of things that I'll never bring public. And it's only because the it's one thing if I was to lead myself astray, that's my fault. You know what I'm saying? I, I made, I am going to put myself into a suffering by leading myself astray. But what happens if you lead others astray? It's a very dangerous thing to do. I would rather damn myself to hell than to damn others to hell. And you're doing exactly that by misleading them. So I'm very cautious about what I talk about. Like I said, as I hang with scripture, I'll talk to, to Jeff. If I ever have something deep that I'm running into, you know, just like the things that I talked about earlier with the weddings and Christ on the cross and uh, Peter cutting um, Nox's ear off, I always reach out first because the last thing that I want to do is come on to the show and accidentally mislead somebody. We want to stay firm in the foundation right now is so important. This is, this is the last time in the world that we need to be questioning our faith. We need to be building that foundation and that strength because family, we're about to face some things that we've never seen before in our lives. It's coming. It's going to get a whole lot worse than what we're dealing with right now. But once again, fear not. Because God's going to win this like he's won everything. He's going to get us through this just fine. He's going to give us everything that we need to get through this mission. We're going to be okay. So fear not. If you are staring a demon in the eyes or a giant in the eyes or any number of weird little things that we could be seeing this year, fear not. Say the word Jesus. Jesus has got so much strength and so much power. And then on top of that, all the other things that Jesus is giving us to fill our, our bag of artillery, building our armor and strengthening it for the time that we're walking into. we got a big thing ahead of us, guys, but God has us on our missions and we're going to be fine. God doesn't need us, but he utilizes us. What a great honor. I can't think of a better thing to do on this earth than to work and serve for the greatest boss in the world, our Heavenly Father. Exactly. He chose us. 100%. All right, guys. So it's 12.01. Um, man, I'm so wired out right now. I can just, the, the spirit, man, is just floating around this room right now. I can see it in the chat. I hope you guys are feeling it too. Um, like I said, God is amazing. So everybody, please bow your heads and let's get into a little spiritual warfare. Heavenly Father, thank you again for another day. Thank you for all that you blessed us with. Father, I see in here, you know, can we pray for Tammy? And I don't know what she needs to pray for. I talked to her earlier. I didn't hear anything, but dear Lord, bless Tammy with whatever she needs. She is such a great warrior. She is such a great servant. Just be with her, lay your hand on her, heal her, whether it be emotional, whether it be physical, just be with her and everyone that she's around, dear Lord, is that they are influenced in the way that they need to be influenced. And that is the spiritual, the gospel that she spreads, dear Lord. Please continue to answer the prayers for all people that are going through something similar. Many of us are, are ill. Many of us are having a little bit of anxiety. We're feeling what's on the precipice, what's right in front of us, dear Lord. Soothe our souls. Take away the anxiety. Take away the fear. Take away of anything that may be as a stumbling block in front of us, dear Lord. We've got a great mission ahead of us. Dear Lord, let us walk into this with the greatest courage we've ever had. I continue to pray, dear Lord, for the patience that give us the patience that you have had with us. You love this so much. You love this in the worst times of our lives, dear Lord, and you love this enough to keep on working on us. 
to get us to where we are today. Father, let us give that same love and respect for the people of this world. No matter if someone spit in our face, punched us, said bad things, or turned their backs on us, dear Lord, let us have the patience and the love with them that you had with us. If you got us at this point, dear Lord, maybe we can be the ones to plant that seed that introduces them to you so that they can have in their lives what we have today. Dear Lord, the narrow path is a hard path. Being a Christian in many ways is the most beautiful thing in the world, but Father, we all know that it becomes very difficult for us too as we are being persecuted. People don't want to hear what we have to say. Things get pretty ugly, but we won't turn our backs on you, Father, because we know the truth and you are the truth. So let us spread that truth to others, dear Lord. Let us continue to spread that gospel from nation to nation like you asked us. Let us work on ourselves daily, dear Lord, so that we can clean our houses before we go and try to clean up other people's houses or help them clean it up. Dear Lord, continue to bless us with everything that we need in this war. Strengthen our armor. Give us discernment. Give us the wisdom that we're really going to need during these times, dear Lord, as the devil is deceiving us in every way. Father, you control the heart. The devil has no entrance to the heart. The devil is in our heads. The devil tries to push thoughts into our heads, tries to make us question our faith, dear Lord. Rebuke the devil in your heavenly name. Take the devil away from us, his demons away from us. Get him out of our heads, dear Lord. Or give us a discernment to know that the devil's trying to intervene in our lives to distract us. Dear Lord, with all the different false prophets that are out there trying to preach falseness and trying to scare people and move them away from God, make them question their faith, dear Lord, I ask that you just stall them, stop them. Or, and more important, dear Lord, give everyone who is watching these videos a discernment to understand immediately what is gospel and what's not, what is prophecy and what is false prophecy. Father, there's a lot of people out there claiming to be prophets, and I'm not really sure how much I feel about that these days, but dear Lord, once again, give people the discernment to see through this, to see through the deception and to focus on what we need to be focusing on, and that is the service to you, dear Lord repenting every single day, working on ourselves, helping other people. Dear Lord, let's go above and beyond what you've asked us to do. As your children, we want to make you as happy as we can, dear Lord. We want to, even though we don't have to earn our way into heaven, dear Lord, we want to. We want to do good things. And I know you said that works alone will not get us into heaven, but we want to work in your service. So continue to speak to us. Let us know how we can serve you. Let us never be afraid to walk out into the public, and preach your name at the at the height of our voices. Let us talk to a perfect stranger, dear Lord, so one day they may not be strangers. Most importantly, they're no longer strangers to you. But dear Lord, thank you for loving all of us, being here with us, and giving the love and discernment that you have so far, dear Lord, and I know you are going to keep on giving us what we need as we walk into this battle. We are here to fight for you, Father. We are here to spread your message. We are here to do everything that you ask of us. Just let us learn how to listen. Father, we love you with all of our hearts. Thank you for the family you blessed us with. Thank you for all that you have given us. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name, I pray. Amen. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm, I'm going to reach out to Tammy here. I, I'm so used to seeing her here, and I hadn't seen her tonight, so I'm definitely going to check up on her. But guys, I love you all very much. I am so thankful to be here with you, um, you know, as much as we possibly can. Um, I'm so thankful that Jeff is starting to feel a little bit better here and there that he comes on the show with this. Like I said, it's baby steps. It's one thing at a time. And Father, when we lack something, when we get something back, you just learn to appreciate it all over again. So I ask that you lay your hands on top of Jeff and help him to get back on here full time because I know 
he's ready to get back in this battle full time. And I'm ready for it to get him back here too. But like I said, all of you make such amazing contributions to this spiritual war that we're in right now. And not one thing that any of us does is any more important or better than the other. Like I said, God has us all working together in perfect symmetry. You remove one cog from the machine and the machine falls apart. We are all integral in this war. So don't think that because one person can do one thing and you can't do that doesn't mean that what you're doing isn't as important as what anybody else is doing in this war. So guys, I love you all with all of my heart. I thank you so much for joining us tonight for episode 553, Jesus, Power of Attorney. We'll be back tomorrow for another great um, another great episode. I'm going to go through some more scriptural stuff tomorrow. And then Friday, we got the only interview we have lined up this week is on Friday. Jay will be coming on with us with another special guest who is a Christian talking about medicinal um, or alternative medicinal for cancers and stuff like that. So we're going to continue that conversation. Um, I'll probably get a true Patriot if he's down with it to come back on with us as well. But guys, have an absolutely beautiful evening. I love you with all my heart. I will see you tomorrow evening. And I leave you with this. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we held at the twilight's last stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rockets regret the bombs bursting in That our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave? Everyone have an absolutely beautiful rest of your evening. I thank you so much for everything that you do. And I'm spoiler as always, God wins. So fear not, stress not, let go of your anxieties. Pray, 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 pray more than you ever have before. God's going to get us through this. We just need to listen and we need to act upon what God's will is and just continue to work with one another, unify and just keep on repenting. Keep on doing exactly what you're doing. Spread that gospel from nation to nation. Guys, I love you all very, very much. Have an absolutely beautiful evening. We will see you tomorrow for Kilt to Christian episode 554. In the meantime, I love you and God bless.